really good to have all of you. And uh, a lot of you have probably been here for our previous sessions in this uh, series that we're doing on marriage and family. Uh, maybe there's some of you that are here for the first time. If that's the case, we're thankful you're here. And um, I wanted to mention at the very outset, just a reminder that we have a YouTube channel, River City Grace Community Church, I think it is. Uh, you can just search that on YouTube. Uh, where all of our sermons, all of our equipping hours uh, the last few years and uh, other little updates that we do, that kind of thing, uh, they're all there. So even as we go through things in this course, um, if there's things that you don't catch at all, you want to go back, that's available there. Or you can obviously refer those resources to other people as well, but want to make sure that you're aware of those resources and to take advantage of them. Um, well, thus far in our series, we have looked at the biblical foundations of marriage and family. Uh, we've looked at maleness and femaleness from God's perspective, his design for sex within marriage. We've looked at biblical perspectives about having or not having children. Tim addressed that this last week, uh, looking at topics such as abortion and contraception, artificial reproduction and adoption. Uh, but today we come to the topic that can cause the mighty to tremble and can cause the confident to crumble. And we're coming to the topic of parenting, parenting. So all of us are impacted by this, whether we are parents, have been parents, might be parents, or had parents in whatever capacity, good, bad, all of the mixture of things that are a part of that, we're all impacted by matters of parenting. So let me lead us in prayer, and uh, then we'll kind of dive into things. Our gracious God and Father, we thank you for all of your glory and all of your redemptive purposes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know at the very heart are the, of those purposes are the fact, is the fact that you have brought people to yourself to be a part of your eternal family. You have adopted us uh, through faith in Christ. And it's in that reality that all of your purposes for uh, families on this earth um, find our identity and find um, our focus. And Father, as you have uh, given us your word and revealed everything necessary for us in knowing you, worshiping you, uh, trusting and following you, and living out your will within uh, these matters, may you indeed give us wisdom and give us strength. And even as matters of parenting impact every single one of us in all kinds of different ways, uh, Lord, may you use the things that you have us to see this morning to uh, bear fruit in our lives for your glory. And we thank you for the time, for the opportunity. Please help me uh, that I might just be clear and faithful to things you've revealed in your word. And again, that you would be glorified in all of this. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Well, most Christian parents, and again, some of you are Christian parents. Maybe your kids are, are still in the home. Maybe they're out of the home. Maybe you're anticipating being parents someday. Uh, whatever the case may be, but most Christian parents with kids of all ages can probably resonate with the desperate plea of King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. I'm sure you're familiar with this passage, but he was the king over the southern kingdom of Judah, and in this narrative in 2 Chronicles 20, he was under attack from an alliance of surrounding nations. And he was overwhelmed, he was outnumbered, and totally inadequate, not only he, but the entire nation, to face the enemy that was attacking them. 
And so Jehoshaphat was terrified, but he resolved to humbly seek the Lord. And so he proclaimed a fast throughout Judah, and he called the entire nation to seek the Lord with him. And his desperate, earnest plea and prayer is recorded in verses 6 to 12 of 2 Chronicles 20. And it culminates with this humble and faith-filled plea, which we hear in verse 12. He says, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now, that's a, uh, uh, that is a, uh, a frantic cry of faith, is it not? He's just desperate. And it's also the cry, I think, in many ways of any overwhelmed, inadequate parent, as I know that Lori and I have felt many, many times and cried a similar prayer many, many times. Oh, our God, we are powerless against this great horde that's coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Well, God hears and he answers such urgent pleas, even as he did for Jehoshaphat and Judah on that occasion. And so as we think about this, even in the context of parenting, though parenting is often filled with great difficulties, great perplexities, and great struggles, God is faithful. And year by year, day by day, moment by moment, he helps parents who humbly seek him. So today what we're going to do is take really a high altitude survey of parenting. Uh, we're only giving one week's focus to this, and this could legitimately be a long series. But we're going to explore some biblical issues of wisdom and child rearing. And again, this could be a whole series. We have done whole series on parenting in the past. We will likely do such things again in the future. Uh, but today what I want to do is look at this enormous topic with very broad strokes, and we're going to focus on three main areas, as you see in your handout there, which, by the way, did everybody, does anybody need a handout? Did anybody not get a handout? Okay, I think most of you got a handout. So, so you can see the, the three areas that we're going to focus on here. First of all, issues and challenges of parenting in a fallen world. Second of all, basics of parenting, namely shepherding a child's heart. I'll explain that as we move along. And then third, the broad area of parenting and spiritual warfare. Now, again, we're looking at these matters in, in a very high altitude kind of a way with very broad strokes. I'm going to move fairly quickly as we go through things. But as always, if you have questions, if you have thoughts, please don't hesitate to, to uh, lift your arm and, and, uh, and let me know and we can interact about things. But as we get into this, I want to begin by highlighting two uh, what I'll call umbrella texts, uh, which will really frame everything that we look at. And these texts make emphatic the God-given calling and stewardship of parents. So the first one of these is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is, of course, a, a, uh, in the context of the Old Covenant as Moses is preparing the people to enter into the Promised Land. And throughout the book of Deuteronomy, he's rehearsing uh, not only God's dealings through all that he did in delivering his people out of bondage in Egypt, but also preparing them to enter in the Promised Land and reminding them of God's law and God's purposes. And so near the end, beginning of the book, in chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, we hear these words. 
He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So at the very forefront of preparing God's people to enter into the land that he had promised, he wants them to understand this parental responsibility within the purposes and word of God and what it means to know and to worship God. And certainly those principles carry over as we see into the new covenant. And so all the way over in the new covenant, in in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 6, one of the very direct passages regarding parenting that we read in verse 4 says this, fathers, and there's a particular emphasis on the responsibility of fathers as the head of the home, it certainly encompasses the role and responsibilities of mothers as well. But fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Of course, in this passage, there's both a warning that fathers not provoke their children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is kind of the positive exhortation. In fact, by the way, next Lord's Day, as we get back into the book of Colossians during our corporate worship service, we'll be looking at the parallel passage to this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And so we'll kind of unpack that in more detail. But here in Ephesians 6, Paul is exhorting fathers and again mothers by implication to raise their children in the discipline, uh, discipline which involves both formative and corrective training and instruction. And instruction involves verbal teaching, encouragement, admonition, and warning. He says the discipline and instruction of the Lord which means this is all in the fullness of God's love, his grace, his truth, and his righteousness in Jesus Christ. It's very focused and specific with regard to the responsibility of a father in particular, but both parents uh, in the whole. So both of these texts in Deuteronomy 6 and in Ephesians chapter 6 express God's will for parents and they give us a framework for all the things that we're going to look at today. And those passages certainly aren't exhaustive. There's many other passages. I'll be making reference to a number of them as we move through things today. But it helps us understand that there's a responsibility of raising children in a God-directed, God-honoring, God-empowered way. And at a minimum, it reminds us that it's one thing to make and to have babies, but it's another thing to raise children in a Christ-exalting way. And so I'm going to reference these texts occasionally as we move along, uh, as I mentioned again with other texts as well. So uh, with that as a bit of a groundwork, let's, let's move into these different areas. And the first one, as you see on your notes there, is issues and challenges of parenting in a fallen world. And the point that I'm going to be focusing on here is that because we live in a fallen, broken, sin-filled world that is filled with fallen, broken, sin-filled people, such as you and I, parenting is filled with many issues and challenges. And I want to briefly mention a number of these, not to discourage us, but rather to alert us to the nature of the battle 
that Christian parents face. And we're going to see, and we'll see this repeatedly, that Christ-exalting parenting, it is hard and it is demanding work. Um, but recognizing these issues and challenges should ultimately deepen our dependence upon and our confidence in God's gracious provision in Christ. And that's something that I want to be uh, just affirming again and again and again. Uh, that Christian parenting, faithful Christian parenting, isn't really only hard and difficult, it's humanly impossible. Uh, but in Christ and through Christ, he provides all the power, all the provision we need uh, to be faithful within the circumstances he's given uh, to what it is that he's called us to do. So let me just touch on a number of these issues that are identified here. Uh, first of all, one of the issues is which parenting method? Which parenting method? Now, I don't want you to do this now. Please don't do it now. But if you do a Google search uh, with just the title Popular Parenting Methods, you'll be immediately mind-boggled. Uh, you'll see such things as seven parenting styles or nine types of parenting or 12 types of child discipline strategy or 23 parenting philosophies and methods. And it just goes on and on and on. And so you'll read things that will suggest, are you going to be a gentle parent or a tiger parent or a lawnmower parent or a free-range parent or a helicopter parent or a child-centered parent? And those are just some of the labels that are kicked around. And you may or may not know what all of those mean and understand, and that's totally fine. Uh, but will you be a permissive or an authoritative or a passive or a neglectful parent? And my point here is to recognize that in the world, there are many and varied parenting motives and methods and philosophies and styles. But for Christians, for those who belong to the Lord Jesus through faith, and this lesson is very much coming from a Christian biblical worldview, uh, then we're called to be Christ-exalting parents. We're called to be Christ-exalting parents in both our motives and our methods. So there's a lot to consider there, and, and we can be confronted with all those things. Well, another issue and challenge uh, within parenting these days is the matter of single and blended parenting. And this is pretty self-evident. Many of you were perhaps raised by a single parent or maybe by a birth or a step-parent. Uh, some of you may have been raised by grandparents or by another family member or some other situation. Perhaps you were brought up in a home with one parent who was a Christian and the other parent was not a Christian. And we understand that whether through death or divorce or any number of other issues, many parenting situations can be uh, much less than ideal. And notwithstanding the evident challenges that such situations bring for parents, just want to affirm that there is always great hope in knowing that God cares for and is sufficient for every parent in every situation. And you might look at your own situation if you are a parent or maybe you think about as a child with your parents. It's less than ideal. It's less than the fullness, perhaps, of what God uh, has given in his word. But God is sufficient for every parent, every situation, and for every child in every situation. Uh, Psalm 68, verse 5, declares this, Father, that God is the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. 
God knows, God cares, and is faithful. And in a broken, sin-filled world such as us, there are all kinds of different situations, but God in his grace and provision in Christ is sufficient. But it's an issue, and it's a challenge in parenting. Another issue and a challenge in parenting is a matter of convictional choices. Convictional choices. And by this I mean that every Christian parent must make many child-raising choices that are not always black and white, right and wrong decisions. And faithful Christians can and will disagree on where to land on all kinds of different convictional issues. And hopefully they'll acknowledge and disagree in a, in a humble way. But they require a lot of wisdom and, and matters of conviction before the Lord. So in other words, issues such as with your newborn, if you have a newborn, will you employ scheduled or demand feeding and sleeping? Uh, will you vaccinate or not vaccinate? And of course, how about educational choices such as homeschool, public school, or private school, classical or contemporary education? Uh, will you or will you not celebrate birthdays and holidays? Or what about extracurricular activities like sports and drama and music and other hobbies or, or, or skill-directed kinds of things? And of course, as as kids grow older, what about matters of dating and courtship and these kinds of things and many, many more, uh, again, require godly wisdom and discernment. And they are important and challenging matters of personal conviction, uh, again, that, that scriptural truth brings to bear on, but they're not, we're just not given explicit do this, don't do this kinds of things. It requires wisdom and discernment and prayer. And so we need God's help in these matters. Another issue and challenge in the context of parenting is the whole matter of physical discipline. And we're going to talk more about this a little bit later on, uh, but this concerns the issue of spanking. Now, the book of Proverbs refers to this as the rod of discipline, or in some translations, the rod of correction. And I just want to mention a few of these passages in the book of Proverbs. One of them is chapter 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod, there it is, hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And then Proverbs 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Uh, also Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14 uh, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. And then finally, Proverbs uh, 29, verse 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And so there's numerous passages here in Proverbs, and these are all interconnected with, with even the passage we saw earlier in Deuteronomy 6 and again in Ephesians 6 and elsewhere. But many people today, as we know and understand, and even many Christian people uh, believe and argue that spanking is not an appropriate means for parents to use in disciplining their children. Now, again, we're going to talk a little bit more about this later on. But what I want to highlight now is that, that this is a very volatile issue. And certainly the broader culture as a whole is increasingly hostile to any form of physical discipline, often labeling it as child abuse. 
Now, we know and we understand, sadly and tragically, that indeed there is much abuse. And whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's psychological, much abuse can take place from parents toward their children, even Christian parents from or towards their children, all under the name of discipline. And that's a tragedy because it's an absolute distortion, distortion of both the, the nature and the heart of God's intent with discipline, as we'll see. But uh, the broader culture has become more and more hostile to this because it gets labeled as child abuse. In fact, there's some countries that have actually outlawed spanking, uh, countries such as Austria, Bulgaria, Croatia, Germany, like Canada, England, Italy, Belgium, and Ireland are pushing for it to be outlawed. And there are organizations and movements such as one that is called the U.S. Alliance to End the Hitting of Children uh, who are very clear in their agenda. And so all of this in the culture in which we live brings great pressure and challenge for Christian parents who are seeking to raise their children in a Christ-exalting way. And it can bring a challenge. Another area uh, related to this is cultivating masculinity and femininity. And uh, inherent to God's will for parents to bring up children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord uh, is the need to cultivate godly masculinity and femininity in boys and girls. And even as we've addressed uh, those issues of masculinity and femininity, God's design and, and, and purpose in these matters, we've, we've addressed this in some of our earlier classes. But we understand that in a fallen world such as ours that is really deeply intoxicated with gender distortion and confusion, and that becomes increasingly evident in all kinds of areas like politics and education and medicine and the social sciences and arts and entertainment and on down the line, uh, there are more and more aggressive godless agendas that are targeting the youngest ages. And so parents need to have biblically informed and resolute gender convictions, if you will, grounded in God's design as we see it revealed initially in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, uh, his design for masculinity and femininity. And we understand biblically that uh, these matters of sex and gender are not matters of personal choice, but rather of God's good determination. But it can be challenging, right? in uh, this world for Christ-exalting parents to embrace and to nurture masculinity and femininity in a world that is increasingly gender neutral. Well, another area, pretty self-evident here, uh, but I'll say a little bit about it, is uh, that of culture, technology, and social media, letter F on your uh, notes. And these are all, of course, very broad, very real issues that pose great challenges for Christian parents today. Uh, culture, technology, and social media really are just massive parts of the air that we breathe in this world. And Christian parents not only have to wrestle with what it means to be in the world but not of the world, they have to wrestle with that for themselves, uh, but obviously also how to raise their children given these realities and these pressures. And so do we take a hardcore stance of, of complete separation uh, kind of circling the wagons and burying our heads in the sand to separate and isolate our kids from the world? 
Or do we swing the pendulum the other direction and kind of fully assimilate into the world, embracing culture, technology, and social media indiscriminately? It's not always easy to navigate those waters, is it? And once again, there's clear biblical truths to guide our thinking and parenting, but how to apply these truths in specific situations uh, with specific kids about specific issues, it requires a lot of care, a lot of wisdom, and a lot of discernment. And so my point here is simply to affirm that Christian parents seeking to raise their children faithfully in the discipline and instruction of the Lord have to wrestle with these issues and have to be proactive and deliberate in shepherding their kids given all of these realities. And so we need to, in doing so, model and nurture what it means to be salt and light in the world, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 13 to 16, but to be salt and light without being stained and compromised by the world. And uh, we need to, to guard our own hearts and we need to help the process with our kids as well. Let me mention one other area that's not on your notes, and then if there's any questions, any thoughts, any pushback on anything, we can take a little time to interact about this. Uh, but this would be letter G. It's not in your notes. You can just add it in. I would just call it internal parental struggles. Internal parental struggles. And uh, what I mean by this is every parent's awareness to varying degrees, no doubt, of their own internal struggles as a person and as a parent. And I know for myself, as, 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 as a parent, this, this was and is just a reality. There's all kinds of internal things that, that I wrestle with and that are challenges. And, and we understand there's a lot that's external to us in our parenting, in the world around us and other people and our own kids' personalities and tendencies and idiosyncrasies. But we've got these internal challenges and battles within our own souls as well. We might, set, we might wrestle, for instance, with a sense of our own inadequacy, insecurity, weakness, fear, and anxiety as a parent. Uh, no doubt our own childhood experiences play into to how that works out in our own parenting. Uh, so maybe we have deep pain and hurt that we have experienced from our parents, which inclines us either to overcompensate or undercompensate in how we approach parenting our own children. Uh, or maybe it could be that we're immobilized by guilt over our own past or present sins. We're discouraged by our failures, and that plays into how we parent. Uh, maybe it could be that we're so proud, we're so selfish, we're so self-confident that we're kind of oblivious to, to an accurate assessment of whether we're really parenting our kids in a Christ-exalting way. Or maybe it is, and some of you could perhaps resonate with this, maybe we're just so tired, exhausted, and worn out that we can't even begin to think about any of these things which is a reality for parents. I remember when our kids were little, and I don't know if we had all four of them at the time or maybe just two or three, uh, but just in the rigor of feeding and changing and bathing and all of that, I remember thinking to myself at one point, I can remember the room I was in and, and what I was thinking, just, you know, whatever else happens as these kids grow, at some point they're going to be able to go to the bathroom on their own and change their own clothes. And, and I was just excited about that because it meant I could maybe get a little bit more sleep. So there is just exhaustion that comes and fatigue that plays into things, and it just can all seem crushing and overwhelming. 
Well, wherever that may be, wherever that is, and, and wherever you may be within any of that, and maybe other things I haven't mentioned, here's the good news. And as I said earlier, faithful, Christ-exalting parenting is not just hard and difficult. It's humanly impossible. It's humanly impossible. But what is impossible for us is more than possible for Christ. And he alone is always our hope. And that's not just a nice, fluffy, pie-in-the-sky kind of a thing. It is a moment-by-moment, breath-by-breath reality. Sometimes that cry of King Jehoshaphat, we don't know what to do, but our eye is on you. Even if you're not verbalizing that to the Lord, you're panting that. God hears and he knows and he cares. I think about Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, where there's a whole context to it. But Paul says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And apply that in parenting. I can be the parent he's called me to be through Christ who gives me strength. Just a little bit later in verse 19, he says, My God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. And he's speaking there in a material, financial kind of way, but it certainly applies to everything. In Christ, we have all the power, we have all the provision that we need uh, to be faithful, Christ-exalting parents. So, But these are challenges nonetheless. These are battles. These are realities that we face in the world that we live in. So kind of flown through that, but any, any thoughts, any questions, any, any pushback on any of that? This will be my opportunity to take a little sip of water. Or any amens, maybe? Okay. Are there any other areas I, I haven't mentioned or thought about as far as any other kinds of, of challenges that don't fit within any of those things I thought about? Lori. Uh, it would probably fall under internal parental struggles a little bit maybe, but I just was thinking, I remember, it, even among all my friends, everyone was parenting a little bit differently. So it was like, you let your kid watch that, or you know, mine doesn't eat sugar, so don't give them sugar, or whatever it was. There's a struggle because what's, you're again at that, what's right, what's wrong, my bad parent because they do this. Yeah, the, the comparing ourselves and, and it's, there's an aspect where we, we can learn and benefit and, and both in a general sense and even among Christians, there's all those kinds of differences. But yeah, yeah, it would probably fit in that, but that's a great observation. Just all kinds of things and, and we can think we're missing it. And a lot of that represents, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, both the joy and the blessing, but also the challenge in particular of life in a local church where we're not, you know, we're, we're embracing the same God-given priorities and calling, but how it fleshes out can look differently. So, yeah. Cliff. As the church, we need to be careful how we judge our fellow parents or grandparents, as the case may be, and understanding that we are all going through and all did go through difficult issues and some different ones. So our, our, our boys are both 40, and we're still exhausted. So, <laughs> anyway, we need to be very, very careful with the family. Amen. Great humility. Yeah. So. Unrealistic expectations. I think even entering marriage, we think it's going to be a certain way, and then it isn't. And we enter parenting thinking we're going to get this perfect little bouncing baby that does everything right because we're good people. Right? Yeah. yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> it does not happen, no. That's a great point, yeah. There's a, 
wonderful book. I don't know if it's still under the same title that Paul David Tripp, who I, I referenced one of his books in the, in the handout there at the end. But this is a book more about marriage where the title is, What Did You Expect? And uh, that could be an appropriate title for a parenting book as well, because what did you expect? Let me go to Christina and then up to you, Jason. I think that all of this like, teaches us how to better deal with life in the fallen world, too. And uh, I know, like, I think that like, the, you know, like the, the things that I, my, my baseline, my solid, my like, breath of life in the, most, in the midst of anything is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, I tell my kids, I tell my siblings, I tell myself, you know, God's got this, God is good, God is powerful, he is trustworthy, and he cares for me. And those are like the, like, like the whatever, wherever you are, yeah. in whatever moment you are, that's where you can land. Yeah, amen. And that's an unchanging truth, and he's an unchanging God. So yeah, amen to that. It's huge. Let's see, Jason. Yeah, this is kind of an extension of what Chris said, to the extent what Lori said as well, but, you know, there's a lot of... I think we recognize, generally speaking, there are conscience issues, and like you mentioned, convictions, and we're usually, for the most part, careful, for the most part, about how we talk to the people about conscience issues, except in this world, in, in parenting and some of those conviction issues. This might be like the one place where, I, in my experience, we are the most free to give our opinions, most free to feel, you know, the, the, the emphatically say what we think or what other people should be doing. Like, this is a, like one exception to like being careful to people's consciences seems to be the issue of parenting, especially in the context of a church. And so it's, it just kind of adds to it the, the freeness in which people can sometimes lay their hobby horses on you as you're raising children. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, really sobering point. Yeah, and because and great damage can be done. Yeah. Think about it. That's a great point. Uh, Garrett, did you have your hand up? Yeah, it just echoes what a lot of folks have said here, too. But think about it. Like, there's some, always some very tangible needs. You know, the bathrooms need to be cleaned. The diapers need to be changed. There's all these things that are, are good to do and you need to prioritize. My, my temptation is always to over-focus on that. And as everyone said, it really starts, the wisdom and discernment starts with your relationship with the Lord and to not forsake that in lieu of the busyness of all the things that do <coughs> Do need to take place, and that's that's something I struggle a lot with as well. Is to kind of put that to the side to handle this, where the, oftentimes they can coexist at the same time. As you're doing some of those tasks, you can be sort of reveling in those truths and teaching those truths to yourself. Um, but yeah, it's it's it starts with that relationship and continues through the parenting relationship as well. Amen. It's an adventure. Yep. And you're right on the threshold of is is she in labor yet? Okay, his wife is due any moment, so yeah, so it's just going to, what's that? Yes, yes, so it's going to add to the adventure. Well, good, well, um, that's helpful, it's good to, and, and hopefully these things, and even through this whole series, you know, we can't cover everything in the brief time that we have together, uh, but part of God's intent with a local church and design and all is it, it, is it uh, becomes matters we keep talking about and working through and looking at and praying about together and, and humbly pursuing together. So hope that continues to press on. Well, let's look uh, at the second broad area here, um, basics of parenting, shepherding a child's heart. And uh, many of you are probably familiar. I'm taking that phrase from Ted Tripp's book of the same title, one of the resources that's on the back of your handout 
And um, he develops this basic biblical focus of parenting. And I'll summarize it this way, um, just this sense of shepherding a child's heart. I would say it this way. The priority of Christ-exalting parenting is heart transformation through the gospel, not behavior modification through worldly methods. And let me say it again. Uh, The priority of Christ-exalting parenting is heart transformation through the gospel, not behavior modification through worldly methods, such as coercion, bribery, threats, those kinds of things. And so priority, the priority of parenting is heart transformation through the gospel, not behavior modification through worldly methods. We don't have time to explore that fully in what we're doing, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to deal with behavior. We do have to deal with behavioral issues. We do have to deal with just matters of of basic obedience and consequences if there's disobedience and those sorts of things. But the ultimate focus and goal is on heart transformation that only God brings about by his spirit through his word in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the hope of the good news, through the hope of the gospel. Um, That's what we hope is taking place in our own lives, and that's what we would be praying and working towards in uh, our children's lives as well. And that's really, I think, the heart I don't think, but the scripture bears this out. That's the heart of biblical faithful parenting, namely to shepherd our children's heart and our hearts. And scripture reveals the importance of our hearts. And the heart, as, as we see it both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that term and that concept re- relates to uh, really the command center of, of who we are as people, the command center of our thoughts, our affections, our motivations, and our desires. Uh, in the same way that our physical heart pumps blood and is kind of the command center biologically in a sense of our whole bodies, our our heart in that sense uh, spiritually understood is the command center of thoughts, affections, motivations, and desires. I want to just highlight a few passages where we see this made reference to so that you see and understand this. Uh, All the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 as God is preparing to destroy everything on the face of the planet, save Noah and his family and two of every animal. We read in verse 5 of Genesis 6 that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Uh, That's a direct statement. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Over in the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, uh, Jesus makes this very explicit when he says, verse 21, for from within, out of the heart of man, Come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. He says all these evils come from within and they defile a person. So he's identifying the issue as the heart. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, as Jesus is pronouncing woes, he's pronouncing judgment on the religious leaders 
and uh, the whole nation of Israel by extension. Uh, but he says at one point, verse 25 of Matthew 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. And in many ways, that's sort of a statement of what worldly parenting methodologies, styles, and strategies are striving to do. They're striving to clean the outside of the cup, if you will. But again, God cares about the inside. He cares about the heart. That's why it takes more than just the right environment or just the right education or just the right influence. It, it requires a changed, transformed heart. And that's what God is after in the gospel. And so the priority of Christ-exalting parenting, again, is heart transformation through the gospel, meaning trusting the infinite power and provision of Christ to help us and understanding that this is the basic focus of parenting. And so what I want to do is try to unpack this just a little bit with some of these sub-points um, that you see there on your notes. And once again, uh, just sort of touching on these, but I'm hoping to give a, a, a big picture of the framework of parenting. And hopefully you'll see how this all ties together. Um, the first point I want to highlight is parenting and walking worthy. Parenting and walking worthy. And what I mean by this is that the call in Ephesians 6, 4 for dads, again for parents, moms and dads ultimately, uh, to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, that call is a subset of the overarching call that Paul um, has addressed earlier back in chapter 4, verse 1, where after he has spent three chapters talking about the uh, riches of all of the spiritual blessings that every believer has in the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 4, he turns the corner, begins to work out the practical, ethical implications of that. And the overarching call that he gives at the very beginning of that section, chapter 4, verse 1, is when he says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so there it is, walk worthy in a manner of the, uh, walk worthy um, of the calling with which you have been called. And Paul is talking to Christians. He's talking to those who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's throughout chapters 1 to 3, as I said, that he's revealing the nature of our calling, of our identity in Christ. And let me just summarize it this way. He's, he's not talking there about, you know, what vocation you might have or what spiritual gifts you might have or what task you might do. He's talking about our overall identity in Christ, our calling in Christ. And I would say it this way. In Christ, we are beloved, blood-bought children of God. That's the essence of our calling in Christ. That's what Paul unpacks in those first three chapters. We are beloved, blood-bought children of God. So, for instance, in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, right at the end of verse 4 and into verse 5, he says, In love, he, God the Father, predestined us for adoption, for adoption um, to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. This is our calling. This is our identity. For, for we who are in Christ, he has made us, he's adopted us into his family. We're his children. Uh, we're his sons. We're his daughters is certainly 
uh, a sense of that, but he's speaking of our high calling and dignity as his children. And as God's beloved children, then, we're called to, to walk worthy. We're called to live in a way that reflects our identity, that exalts um, God's glorious grace in Christ. And for Christian parents, then, this means that parenting must ultimately flow, our, our faithful Christ-exalting parenting must flow from a posture of increasing joy and peace and assurance and hope and confidence in Christ. Confidence in who we are in Christ and our identity in Christ as his beloved blood-bought children. All of us know and understand, any of us who have been parents or are parents, we know and understand that it's very easy to have uh, really bad motives in our parenting. Uh, we can be driven by fear. We can be driven by anxiety or guilt or frustration or selfishness or all kinds of things. But you see, God wants us to lay hold of who we are in Christ in an increasing way and to walk worthy. And our parenting then needs to, to flow out of that and grow out of that. Well, that leads to the second point, parenting and theology. Parenting and theology. And parenting, or I'm sorry, theology, uh, of course, concerns the study of God. And biblically, it means not only knowledge of God per se, but it means knowing God. Uh, not just academic intellectual realities, but knowing God, tasting and seeing that he is good, as the psalmist says in Psalm 34. A.W. Tozier uh, in his classic book called The Knowledge of the Holy, he says at the very beginning of the book that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And his point is that how we know God impacts everything that we are and do, which of course includes our parenting. Now, he doesn't deal with parenting in the book, but you get the point. It's going to inform and frame how we parent our own children, what we know of God, what we know of the, the truth of, of all that he has revealed. And so thinking again about the, what I would call the parenting mandate there in Ephesians 6, verse 4, to bring up children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, uh, this assumes that parents themselves are knowing and growing and walking worthy in the discipline and instruction of the Lord knowing theology, knowing his word. And that's going to be, hopefully, in an increasing way, of course. Uh, but living in the fullness of the life-giving theological truths, such as everything that Paul addresses in chapters 1 to 3, which intersects with the whole of Scripture. Um, and so our theology, our knowledge of God, his word, it involves many other areas that have gigantic implications when it comes to parenting. In other words, having a right biblical understanding of the theology of mankind and being made in God's image and yet fallen in sin uh, and, and dealing with uh, inherent sin that every baby comes with uh, and that we see. Having a theology of man, a theology of sin, a theology of, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, a theology of salvation, a theology of the church and on down the line. And my point here is just that Christian Christ-exalting parenting should be the increasing overflow then of knowing and of walking with God in Christ and growing in our theological understanding of him and knowing him as he's revealed himself in his word. This leads to the third uh, point here, letter C, parenting and prayer. Parenting and prayer. Um, as we saw with King Jehoshaphat <clears throat> and as Pastor Paul himself, the Apostle Paul, never stopped praying for God's help 
as well as for God's work in the lives of people, uh, so parents must never stop praying. And it's not so much a mechanical, formulistic thing. It's a disposition of heart in seeking the Lord. And as I said earlier, um, faithful Christ-exalting parenting isn't just hard and difficult. It's impossible. And we express our dependency upon God by praying and by seeking him and humbly coming to him. Uh, it's interesting that the, near the end of Ephesians in chapter 6, and we'll come back to this passage in just a little bit as well, but in verse 18, listen to what Paul says for all Christians, and certainly includes Christian parents. He says there, verse 18, Be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, and to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. He's calling for all-out prayer uh, continually. And Paul himself models that. Uh, we see it throughout many of his letters, and even in the earlier part of Ephesians, at the end of chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, also at the end of chapter 3, verses uh, 14 to 19, Paul tells the believers how he's praying for them, that they would grow in the knowledge of, of God and be strengthened by his power through uh, the Spirit and through Christ dwelling in their hearts, and that they and we would have power to grasp the greatness of his immeasurable love and the hope and the riches and the power of all he's given. And so if you're a parent and you're feeling overwhelmed, troubled, burdened, um, totally inadequate, well, praise God. <laughs> That's a great place to be if it helps prompt you and incline you, as it should for all of us, to be crying out to God in prayer. And so many other passages affirm this as well. Let me move on, though, sake of time. Uh, parenting in the local church. Parenting in the local church. And the point here, you've heard the saying, no doubt, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, who knows where that ultimately originated, but, but it's not an altogether bad statement. I would just like to tweak it and focus it a little bit more biblically to say that it does take a church to raise a child. And not only does it take a church to raise a child, but in God's good, wise design, it takes a church to raise a faithful, Christ-exalting parent. Uh, this is not a lone ranger job that he calls any parent to. Um, back to the book of Ephesians, and, and I hope you see these things. I'm trying to weave this all together to see there's a whole framework that the Lord wants us to lay hold of. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, hear what Paul says about um, our inescapable identity, corporate identity as God's people. He says, verse 19 of chapter 2, I'll read to the end. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, what's intriguing is our corporate identity as members of the household of God, the family of God, is part of our calling that we're called to walk worthy in. And, of course, this has huge implications for what it means to be wholeheartedly devoted in the life of a local church, living this out in the context of a local church, which, of course, then has huge implications for parenting. And as I mentioned, uh, not only marriage, but also parenting and family issues are not lone ranger privatized matters. Uh, they relate to what it means to be a part of the family of God. And think about it for 
any of you who are parents or thinking about being a parent or have had a parent, think about the ocean of wisdom and encouragement and counsel and help and even correction when it's needed that God gives and brings through brothers and sisters in Christ in the local church. I remember years ago, we lived in Southern California. Um, our, our oldest, our girl, Lindsay, was just, I don't know, one or maybe two. And, uh, you know, I'm a brand new parent. I'm absolutely clueless, feel totally inadequate. But at one point, a brother, an older brother in the church who had a number of kids of his own, uh, came to me and he rebuked me and he admonished me because I was not being proactive and diligent to uh, love and nurture and discipline my daughter in the way I needed to. And I remember it vividly. I remember we were standing out on our driveway as well when he very graciously and lovingly um, kind of slapped me on the side of the face, figuratively speaking, not literally. Uh, but I needed that. But that's part of the ministry of God through the local church. And of course, again, all the counsel, all the encouragement. Hey, what about this? What about that? This is happening. What do I do? All of that is part of God's design to, to help us grow in being faithful. So it takes a church not only to raise a child, but to raise faithful, Christ-exalting parents. Letter E, parenting goals, parenting goals. What is it that you want for your kids? Um, are your motivations, ambitions, goals, and longings for your kids uh, mainly oriented toward this world, all kinds of different things, that they give you respect and admiration, that they give you peace and harmony, um, that they get a good education, that they learn good skills, that they get a good job, that they have a good marriage. Is, is that the focus and the extent of goals? Or are your goals and longings oriented primarily toward Christ and his kingdom? Namely, that your kids would come to a true uh, saving faith in Christ and that once converted, they would grow in walking worthy as God's beloved child. And I think the best way I've heard this described, I don't remember uh, the source of this description of what, what kind of is ultimately the goal of Christian parents. Uh, but it's this, to see our children, who are ultimately God's children, they're never ours in a total ultimate sense, right? But to see these children become independently dependent on Christ. To see them become independently dependent on Christ. That's the prayer and that's the goal, I'm persuaded. Um, this is what Paul's ultimate parental and pastoral goal for his spiritual children was. It's expressed in many different ways throughout his letters, but listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. You see his longing? They would be independently dependent on Christ and, and Christ being formed in them. He's not looking for behavioral goals per se. He wants to see Christ formed in their hearts. And that should be our ultimate goal as well. Now, again, there's lots of implications of this, of course, uh, but that is the goal. And again, the, the, the goal isn't ultimately behavior modification, but heart transformation. And so we all need to continually keep our own hearts uh, be humble, humble before the Lord and asking him to search us and to deliver us from what can easily become very selfish and self-centered motives and goals, both just in general and with our kids, if that's applicable. 
need to ask his help to help us pursue genuinely Christ-centered, Christ-exalting goals uh, that focus on knowing and walking with, worshiping and proclaiming Jesus, Christ being formed in us. Um, let me continue on and we'll kind of press along here in our regard for time. Um, letter F, parenting and physical discipline. Let me say a little bit more about physical discipline. Of course, there is so much to address here, um, which we just simply can't do with the time and the focus of what we're doing. But I would again point you to some of those resources that are listed on the back. Those are not exhaustive, but they are helpful in, in thinking through both the uh, place and the practice of physical discipline in parenting. Um, and I would also encourage you to talk with other Christian parents as you, as you work these things out. But the main point that I want to make now under this point is this. Because God disciplines those he loves, faithful parents must discipline their children in love. Again, the point is this. Because God disciplines those he loves, faithful parents must discipline their children in love. And you're going to hear about this during our worship service as well, because we're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 12, and Tim, I believe, is going to be making reference to that in his sermon in connection with things he's addressing in Psalm chapter 39. But remember those passages that I read earlier from Proverbs. And the first one that I read, chapter 13, verse 24, says this, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, in view of that statement, we learn in Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to read a portion of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, that such discipline flows from the heart of God for his beloved children. Now, for many, based on whatever our past experiences may have been, based upon perhaps things we're aware of where there's been other abuses and distortions of the nature of true, godly, loving, biblical discipline, even that word can maybe make our spine kind of tingle a little bit and have a very negative connotation. But all this discipline flows in a right way from the heart of God for his beloved children. And so the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 actually picks up quoting. He starts by quoting from Proverbs chapter 3 uh, in verses 11 and 12, a passage which sets the framework for all the other passages in Proverbs that talk about discipline. And the writer of Hebrews picks it up. I'm going to pick it up in Hebrews, verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, where he says this, You have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. And here he's quoting Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he, God, disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. I'm always struck by what an absolute understatement that is, right? Ah, of course it's very painful. 
All discipline at the moment uh, seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What we understand from this passage uh, fundamentally is that God's loving discipline is focused on training. His loving discipline is focused on training. It is not punitive seeking to destroy, but rather his discipline is corrective with the intent to bless, with the intent to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness in the lives of his beloved children. And so God's loving discipline is not the angry, frustrated, irritated, out-of-control punishment that maybe we experienced or maybe we have given as parents. I know that I have been guilty of that to my shame in the past. But rather, God's loving discipline is controlled, it's careful, it's wise, it's precise. It's like a skillful perfect surgeon whose intent is to bring healing, whose intent is to train, correct, cleanse, and to produce the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So again, there's lots of implications. There's lots of, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or how do you do this? How do you do that? And amen to that. Again, benefit from brothers and sisters in Christ, benefit from other resources that have been given. But the bottom line is that because God disciplines those he loves, Faithful parents must discipline their children. There's a specificity, only your children, uh, in love. We are stewards, in other words, of God's loving and life-giving authority expressed through discipline. Now, again, there's formative discipline, there's corrective discipline, there's all kinds of aspects of things, but the goal is to bless, to nurture, to train, uh, to see this peaceful fruit of righteousness in the hope of the gospel manifest. Uh, let me say just a few things about these practical things, and we can interact just a little bit before we close it all out. Um, uh, parenting and practical things. It's kind of a catch-all. <laughs> and I can only mention and really not develop any of these things, but these are things that we learn much about, again, from one another in the local church and beyond even. But I'm thinking about practical things like the value and the place of family worship of uh, cultivating family memories and traditions and sharing in projects and activities and vacation and leisure together. Uh, I'm thinking about things like the importance of enjoying and delighting in your kids, having fun with them and laughing with them, uh, reminding yourselves, as Lori often had to and still does remind me, that dirt washes off. It's okay if they get dirty and it'll wash off. I'm thinking of practical things like uh, that are connected with shopping, cooking, eating, finances, bike riding, yard work, playing, uh, marveling at the sweetness of birds and, and the silliness of squirrels, if you will. In other words, think about the practical, nitty-gritty, daily life focus and context of the exhortation we heard in Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? Teach and talk of God's word when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. It's, it's an all-of-life encompassing thing. And children are indeed a blessing from the Lord, as Psalm 127 declares. Yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are difficulties. Yes, there are issues and, and all kinds of things. But we ought always to remember children are a gift from the Lord. 
as Psalm 127 says. They are the, the fruit of the womb is a reward, and, and they are a blessing. And as God enjoys us and loves us and delights in us and even sings over us, as we hear from one of the prophets in the Old Testament, so should we with our children. They are a blessing, and so do we enjoy them. So that's just kind of a catch-all of a lot of practical things that, again, it can't really develop. So, um, so we're nearing the end of time. I'm going to just touch on this matter of parenting and spiritual warfare, but, but thoughts, questions, uh, anything at all, pushback. We've got a little time to interact. Christina. Just my little grumpy softball for you here, but if anyone like, you know, like feels like they have crossed the line personally from you know, like, uh, corrective discipline into abusive or they're witnessing that in somebody close to them, who should they talk to about that? Yes. If, if somebody witnesses somebody else or if somebody has been guilty of that or both? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I would talk to a trusted Christian friend, a brother or sister, certainly a pastor, um, to just seek help, encouragement, and accountability. And, and we all need that in all kinds of ways. Yeah. And there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness. Uh, frequent phrases from faithful Christ-exalting parenting to their children are, I blew it, and I was wrong, and I need your forgiveness. And daddy or mommy needs the hope of the gospel as much as you need the hope of the gospel. But if there's those things that, that are abusive and, or perceived to be abusive, either in reality or in, in perception, yeah, talk with a, a trusted Christian friend, a pastor, elder, uh, another leader at the church, absolutely. Yeah, appreciate you asking that. Good question. Yeah. All right. Yes, Zach. What am I supposed to do with all of this? <laughs> There's a lot of us in here that, that none of this directly applies to. So it might in the future, but even just in terms of, you know, I know we touched on parenting in the local church. Um, do I have a responsibility here? Is this something that just you folks who are parents, you deal with among yourselves? And I just sort of, when it comes time for it to apply to me, then it applies to me. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, at a, at a minimum, well, two things at a minimum would be, as you alluded to, number one, you may be a parent someday. So um, the more you're grounded in these matters and from a biblical conviction standpoint, understanding, the, the better that is and, and helpful. So that's a reality. Also, just knowing how to pray uh, for other people who are parents, um, and uh, um, to be encouraging and coming alongside and, and uh, you, certainly praying in a general way, but also with other parents that you know, asking them, hey, are there specific things I can be praying for about that? I think those would be key things. My goodness, I'm seeing hands pop up everywhere. <laughs> you touched a nerve, Zach. If there's anything you need to talk about with your own parents in light of all these things, certainly do that. We've talked about some of that in the past. So where do I go first? Tim. Just real quick that... Um, um, you know, if, if you're not a Christian, I'm sorry, not a parent in the church, and you, um, you're a Christian, Zach, I'm um, and you're tuned into what Christian parents are trying to do and supposed to be trying to do, it's really helpful. Um, you're probably now and then going to see kids in the church disobeying their parents. Um, and so you just being kind of an ally on board, not trying to, to take the parents' place, but also not... Um, just passively sitting by, like you can be an encourager of the kids, 
hey, did you hear what your mom just said? You know, if, it, if the kid's like not responding, you can, hey, hey, stop, did you hear your parents? You know, like, like help them. You know what the parents are in God's grace trying to train the kids to do. So you can be a, a big sibling to that kid, so to speak, or a, an ally to those parents. Great, great observation. Where do we go next? Sue. I just think that we can't um, discount the power of a parentless person as an example in a child's life. So the child may not be able to talk to the parent um, about something, but the person who doesn't have the distraction of children um, can be that example as an older man or an older woman, like a big brother or a big sister, and a Titus II almost example to children. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I just, there's a man who owned their house, he and his wife were childless, but the entire neighborhood talked about into the lives of children as Christian, Christian yeah. people. Amen. And that kind of illustrates the whole matter. It takes a church, and, and both in a local church and even the broader church, there's all kinds of ways God works. So amen to that. Let's see, Matt, you had, Matt says no. Okay. Okay, Christina. I know my kids, but like clearly you're an adult kid, as they would <laughs> say right now. <laughs> no, they're practicing to be a husband. They're practicing to be a parent someday, even with the way they treat each other and they think through things now. And very much so, like to reinforce what others do. You have been part of to our children um, in, in beautiful like ways that we thank God and praise God for. But you're, you, you don't become like a husband and then start thinking through these things or start become a parent and start thinking through these things. The way you trust in the Lord, the way you, you know, like it, it, that starts, you know, yeah. and, and then you practice that um, until God changes that position in your life. Yeah, and, and even with that, again, you know, practical things like offer to, to watch the kids of young parents so they can go out on a date or, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of those kinds of just practical things, too, so, amen. Oh, yeah, ice cream, yes. <laughs> Two more, and then I'll need to wrap up, but Lori. Well, I was just thinking one thing that you are doing right now is youth ministry, <clears throat> and um, I'm so thankful for those that poured into my kids because they could say things that reinforce things I said that they would be like, I, you know, I'd be like, this is this is what you should do. Uh, someone else would say, this is what you should do. Yeah, Jason told me that, da, 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 you know. And, or, you know, Lynn or whoever. Um, but uh, it's not, again, taking the place of parents, but it is, there's kids to be, to be loved, and you might be the kindness they see that week. Yeah. Yeah. Good question, good answer. So, Garrett, did you have your hand up? I did. I was just going to say the Tim's point. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God and hopefully continuing to grow. Uh, the thing I would close with here, just in this last point, and, and obviously I can't even begin to uh, develop it at all because we're already a few minutes over, um, but this is spiritual warfare, as is the entire Christian life. And it's not insignificant that at the very end of Paul's letter, this is what he talks about. 
And after he's just talked about from the end, near the, or kind of the middle of chapter 5 through the beginning of chapter 6 about um, marriage, about uh, parents and children, then the last thing he closes out the whole letter with is the reality of this spiritual warfare that we're in. And the points to understand is, is, as I say there, letter A, see the big picture, the cosmic theater of parenting. It's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's not a battle between you and your kids, ultimately. It's about spiritual battle between Satan and God uh, that has been going on uh, since the Garden of Eden. It's certainly preceded the Garden of Eden a bit, but that's another matter. But anyways, it helps us understand that in the daily grind and challenges, see this bigger picture. It is a spiritual battle that God gives us spiritual resources for. Um, the devil's schemes there that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, by the way, it's verses 10 to 20 in particular, they're kind of that whole section in chapter 6 dealing with uh, the spiritual warfare, spiritual battle. Uh, the devil's schemes are fundamentally deception, defilement, and division. Uh, Paul addresses those in different ways at different places in his letters, uh, but that's what Satan's striving to do. And learning how to fight the battle is learning how to put on the armor of God, which is Paul's fundamental exhortation there. Uh, he begins that section in verse 10 of chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. If you try to do faithful Christ-exalting parenting in your own strength or in the world's strength, you will fail. This is spiritual work that requires spiritual resources that are found only and fully and abundantly in Christ. And so all the significance and implications of, of what it means to put on the armor, all the different pieces of armor that Paul references there, he's already talked about earlier in the letter. It goes back to matters of theology, matters of prayer, matters of understanding uh, who we are in Christ and, and living, uh, walking worthy. So uh, if you'd like to interact about more of these things, myself or Tim, others here, certainly available. Let me close this in prayer. Thank you for the time, Father. May you continue to move us all uh, into the fullness of what it means to know you uh, through all of your provision in Christ and all the hope and the riches and the power, the greatness of your immeasurable love. Uh, may that work itself out in our lives in general and certainly for those who are married or are parents or who anticipate being so. But whatever our situation, God, to honor you and to walk worthy in these ways, we thank you in the name of Christ. Amen.